Happy Tuesday! Mi chiamo Nico. Mi chiamo Alan. And welcome into, into the, the dungeon. dungeon. find ourselves at the opening of this small cave, facing out towards this lighthouse, following what had been a tense battle with a flock of harpies, which saw Fenner fall off the cliff and Shrew push down the stairs. But our heroes emerged victorious, before finding a rather unexpected friend, sentient talking crab, and that's what we're picking up this week, just as Shrew's shrubberies are making the ascent through the causeway and up the rocky outcrop to this lighthouse. Huh, true, Fabian. Before we... Before we make the ascent, I'm not sure if you... If you saw anything, or if it was a figment of my imagination, but I thought I saw a figure looking down towards the beach when we were in the middle of the fight. Did either of you see anything? Not that I can recall, no. Um, we are kind of inside the cave still. Yeah, you're just at the... Like, at the opening before okay. heading out. From here, can I see the building of the lighthouse? Yeah, you can see it, but the sun is fast being engulfed by the Sea of Swords, and you can see that there's a storm brewing overhead. Clouds are thickening, starting to hear the distant rumble of thunder. Where was it exactly that you saw this figure, Finna? Can you point it out to me? Up there. She starts pointing to the right side of the building. Do we see anyone there now? A silhouette, anything? Roll me a perception. With advantage, we'll say that. It's all three of you looking. Total of 15. You don't see anyone on the roof, but you do seem to catch a glimpse as you're scanning the top of this building. You seem to see what appears to be some sort of rod extending up to the sky on the far left. At this distance, it's a bit difficult for you to determine exactly what it is, but it does look odd and out of place to you. I have an idea what it might be, but that's me, not true. Okay. Let's wait in this cave until the sun completely disappears and then let's quietly move out and towards the lighthouse in case that person, which I imagine is Moesco, is looking down on us. At least we have the, the dark of the night to be able to try and stealth. That sounds like a, a good idea. The cover of night will help us. Hopefully, get there undetected. Although I imagine the, the noise of our battle uh, has given warning of our arrival. Hmm. Probably so. But when we arrive, that's a mystery. About 20 minutes or so pass. It's now pitch black. Other than the pulsating green light coming from the beacon of this lighthouse. Through the sound of the wind, the crashing waves, the rumbling of thunder that's coming ever closer. You're conscious again of that thumping, rhythmic almost heartbeats that pulses in sync with the blinking of the beacon. I think now's as good as time as any. It's pitch black, sun's gone, and the storm that's gathering are blocking out the moon and stars. Yep, it's as good as time as any. Let's, let's get going, quietly. Okay, I'm going to ask you to roll for stealth. 
blindly for each of your party. Okay, here we go. First, I'm gonna roll for Shrew. Actually, no, I'm gonna roll all of them at the same time. You know which dice are for who already. Okay. Okay, remember, Shrew rolls with advantage due to his elven boots. Here we go. I've got plus two on decks. I'm gonna ask you for your marching order as well. I'll be leading this, followed by Fena and then Fabian. So you begin the ascent towards this tower. Shrew leading from the front, moving quietly. Not a sound. Fabian holding up the rear. Perhaps not as quietly as Shrew, but not enough to to make any discernible noise with the sound of the waves and the rumbling of thunder. Fenner, however, still soaking from her little swim earlier. You're conscious that you're hearing the squelching of her boots, and she seems to be a little, a little off as she's stepping on small stones which are making scraping sounds. But you're confident that with the background noise of everything that's going on around, you should be fine. You continue to make your way up. You're now 20 feet away from the door to this lighthouse. These double, heavy-set oaken doors and you can't hear or see anyone or anything. Okay, we want to walk up to those doors. Check it for traps, first of all. Who's doing this then? We're going to have to roll for investigation. Shrew is taking the lead here. He's going to be investigating the door. That's a total of ten. So you're carefully inspecting this door. You don't seem to find any mechanisms that would suggest that it's trapped, but you do notice that it's encrusted with salt and covered in barnacles. Hmm, interesting. It says if these walls were at one point submerged. Hmm. Did you find any traps? No, no. Seems safe enough. Yeah, let me let me see if it's locked. And I try and and I try and open it. The heavy set doors slowly give way as you try the handle and push them quietly in. There. It says if he didn't even fear us. They're just open. You know. You see a band of of adventurers fighting at your doorstep, but you, you leave your door unlocked, as if nothing had happened. Perhaps he thinks that the harpies finish us off. Hmm. Well, he's gravely mistaken, and that is going to be his downfall, his overconfidence. I step into the room. So as you step into this room, which is pitch black by the way, there's no lights on here, but with your goggles of the night, you can see without issue. As you find yourself in a 25 by 20 foot room. Fen has got no difficulty in seeing the dark. Fabian, unfortunately, can't see much beyond what's directly in front of him. To your immediate left, about 10 feet away, you see that there's a door in front and to the left of you. You can see that there's a dirty window in this southern wall, through which you can just about make out the mass of two ships jutting out crookedly from the water. And directly in front of you, opposite these double doors, you see that the wall curves as you identify this as part of the tower which leads up. And you see another set of double doors there. To your right, there's a wall, but no door. Fabian, you hold on to Fenanai and watch your step. Where will be your eyes? There's no lighting here, but I don't feel comfortable lighting a torch just yet. There's a, there's a door right to our left here, and a window a bit further on. I see two masts there. I'm, I'm going to check the window. I'm going to try and get a better look at those ships. And walk towards the window and try to get a better look at those ships. As you're looking out into the pitch black, all you can see from here are literally the masts 
and the torn riggings or what's left of them. The sea is too dark, too murky for you to make out any of the ship below. I wonder if this is one of Sister Garel's ships. Hmm. Perhaps the elven traders we found on the road back to Vandaling. Oh yes, I hope they're well. Hmm. Damn these orcs and this forsaken lighthouse. We need to take care of this. Stop this unnecessary loss of life here. I turn my attention towards the door that was closest to me when we came into this room. And I check that for traps. Okay, roll investigation. Total of 13. Much like the main door. You can't find any mechanisms or any glyphs. This door doesn't seem to have been trapped. I open it. You find yourself now looking into this 20 by 20 foot square room. The walls of this 15 foot high room are weathered and unkept. As this appears to you to be some sort of a storage room. With empty crates and barrels strewn across the floor. You do notice, however, against the northern wall of the room are a pair of empty manacles set high up on the wall. I'm going to ask you to give me a perception check as well. Total of 13. As you're looking around, you notice that the floor seems to have been very dusty, but it's broken by numerous footprints and what appears to be drag marks across the floor leading towards the door. Hmm. Have you seen that, Fenner? Fabian... This seems I to... can't see shit. No, I was about to tell you. There seems to be someone that's been captured here and then dragged out of this room. I see some manacles up there. Oh, you don't think Sister Garel was held there, do you? Perhaps. Or, oh. or some unfortunate soul. I hope we're not too late. No, no. I'm sure she's fine. Is there anything useful in here? You see Fabian squinting, trying to make sense. It just seems like a lot of boxes and barrels to me. It appears like an empty room, yes. I'll make a quick sweep of the area and to see if we find anything. Remember, we, we need to find a conch, we need to find a book, and we also need to find a scepter or a wand or something for your girlfriend. Oh, yes. If you, now that you mentioned if you don't mind, I'm confident we will find them. But if I can be the one to... Of course. Deliver them. Of course. I'll be your wingman. You boys really think there's time for this? Oh, sorry. You're you're right. How disrespectful. I want to quickly search the room. You know, like a... I'm, I'm not going to into too much detail, but a quick search. Okay, roll for investigation then. Total of 12. As you're quickly glancing around and searching this room for anything of, of use, you're looking for this conch or wand or this book, your eyes are drawn to this small roundish bottle. It's got a rather ornate decor around the top of where the cork would be. Almost like a small sleeve. As you're looking at it, you see that it's bubbling. There appears to be what looks like a small jellyfish in there. Well, look what we have here. A little critter in a bottle. I pick up the bottle and I cast Speak with Animals. Before you, you burn that spell slot. The small jellyfish doesn't A, appear to be alive and B, almost doesn't quite look like a real jellyfish. It looks almost magical, as if it's part of the liquid that's encased in this bottle. Oh, what a shame. I was going to ask it what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> but I got some answers. Hmm. Well, this appears to be like a magical jellyfish. Well, I'll, it doesn't seem there's nothing else here. I'll put this bottle away and let's get going. Is there anything written on the bottle that I can see? 
No, there's just these nice, almost Celtic motifs on what appears to be a small sleeve on the neck of the bottle. Okay. So I leave this room we are currently in and go back to the main hall where I was before. And I want to check out that wall. Because from the outside, it did appear, though, the building carried on to the right. Yeah. But there's no doors. You said there was only a wall. Not from this hall. Okay, so as I came in, there was only a wall. I want to check the wall, though. Like, I'm remembering when first I met Norbers and Dazzling, and in that tomb, that shrine, there were, like, these switches on the walls. I want to be checking for something like that. Okay. Hidden walls. Okay, roll for investigation. Okay. 19. As you're looking at this wall, you don't see any switches or as you're running your hand for the cold stone, you don't find any recessed or hidden buttons. You start knocking on the wall. You can definitely hear that there's a room on the other side of this, but there's no door, no mechanism. You can't see any magical glyphs, but you're convinced that it does go, or that the building does extend beyond this wall, and you can hear the echo of a room behind it. Okay, I've been checking that wall all the way up to the doors that were in front of me as I came in, and now I want to go through those doors. Okay. So you find yourself here, at the foot of a spiral staircase, with an ornate stone railing, climbing up the inside wall of this round stone tower. So you meet it right, you do see a door there, which would lead in the direction beyond that wall that you were just investigating. You notice that this spiral stairway ascends in an anti-clockwise manner. So as you're looking at it, you would have to go to the right, which is where this door is, and the stairs begin there, just next to that door, and start winding upwards in an anti-clockwise manner. All right, we want to walk up to those stairs, but I want to go into the door on the right before I actually ascend them. Okay, so you walk up to this door. Are you opening the door? Let's check it for traps. Why not? That's a seven. Again, as you're searching this door, you don't find any mechanisms or any magical glyphs. Anything to suggest to you that the door is trapped. Okay, I try to go through then. Okay, so you grab the doorknob, twist it to the left, as you normally would to open a door. And as you do, you completely disappear from in front of Fabian and Fenner's sight. True! True? Do I hear them? Give me a perception check with disadvantage. Thirteen. You can hear them very muffled. You feel as if the sound's coming from above you. You can't move and you sort of feel compressed and and quite claustrophobic. Seems strange to you. Can I see anything? You see pitch black. Can I move? You can't feel like you can move. I'm in a bit of a shitty situation, aren't I? What a time to roll poorly. Give me an investigation check with Fenner. With advantage. That's two threes on the advantage, so six total. Fen is panicking here. She doesn't understand what's happened. Shoes just disappeared into thin air. Faven doesn't understand magic or arcana in general. He doesn't understand either how you can just be there one second and not the next. There didn't appear to be anything mechanical going on. There was no noise. Give me a... Give me an arcana check with advantage for sure. 18. As you're there, alone in the dark, confused, feeling claustrophobic, hearing these muffles of your friends, you start to think there wasn't anything mechanical that triggered this. There wasn't any sound. There wasn't any trapdoor. There wasn't anything, really. 
You start to sense that this is magical. You start trying to figure out what this is. And you realize that the floor of this lighthouse on this room that you were in was of stone. And you remember this spell that you haven't used yet, at least not in your travels and your adventures. But you know that there's a spell, a transmutation one, known as meld into stone. And you start to suspect that the door was triggered with this spell and that you've somehow melded into the stone floor as you recall that the voices, those muffled sounds of your companions, seem to be coming from above you. And you know that once you're melded with stone, no trace of your presence remains visible or otherwise detectable by non-magical senses. So you know that your friends would have no idea where you are. But you do know that you can exit the stone by the very same path you entered it. So, yeah, I exit. <laughs> I exit through when I, I came in. So yeah, this would be above you. So you suddenly realize that you can sort of pop out through the top. And just as soon as you disappeared, you suddenly appear back in front of the door. <gasps> Shoo! Where the hell did you go? It appeared that this door was indeed trapped by a, by a spell. It's all good. It's good to know I'm not the only one that triggers traps. <laughs> yes, I did that on purpose so that you didn't trigger it. Anyway, I can imagine that that got triggered as I opened the door, but I can still continue into the door. The door hasn't opened. Oh, it hasn't opened. But as you're looking at it now, you realize that not only does the door handle swivel to the left, also swivels to the right. Hmm, yes, yes. Cheap trick. Misguidance, misguidance is, is what I think it is. Uh, you basically open a door like one would normally and you get you get trapped. But look, this door you need to open to the right. And I try and open it to the right. The door gives way and opens to a 15 by 20 foot room. This room's got two north facing windows. You see that the walls of this room are adorned with frescoes, depicting ships being tossed on stormy seas with the dark and terrible god looming above them, smiling wickedly. Set into the north wall are two dirty, salt-encrusted windows, through which again you can see the masts of several sunken shipwrecks jutting up from the water. Against this northern wall, you also see a barnacle-encrusted desk and chair, atop which sits an opalescent conch. Hmm. Do you see that, Fenna? Fabian. Well, I still can't see shit. I know. I... If we, if we get jumped on here, I'm no, no, no use. I said, hold on to us. You st stay in the middle. You'll be fine. I can see a conch on the desk there. But what's with these barnacle-covered objects? It's like if they had been recovered from the depths of the ocean. Very, very strange. Very peculiar. Hmm, let's stick together. I, I'm, I'm not too... I'm not so confident that this is going to be that easy. Just step into a room and grab the conch? No. I'm sure there's something else around here. I want to make a perception check to see if I see any anyone ready to ambush, any kind of... any traps that may have been set here. Okay. That's a 16 on perception. Okay, so as you're looking around from the entrance here, cautiously looking to see whether there's anybody lying in wait or are there any potential traps, you notice that the rest of this room is quite bare bones beyond that desk and chair. But you do catch a glimpse of a paper on the desk. Wanna step slightly closer? Can I read it? Are you going right up to it? As far as I can, where I'm able to read it. 
You walk about five feet into the room, and you're now about ten feet away from this desk. You can see that the paper seems to have a picture drawn on it. Oh, the woman? The ghost? Are you getting closer to inspect it? Yeah. To get close enough. This looks like one of the posters that Harley had. It's got a picture that almost looks like it's been scribbled together by a child. It mm. looks like a halfling with curly red hair and a big old moustache. Mm, I have no idea who that is. Mm. I think this is a good time to remind the listeners that throughout the battle last week and as you guys are exploring this lighthouse, she's still in her fat peasant's Fena, right? Disguise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fena is a fat peasant, and Aishu, um, obviously now bald. Faven's just got his hood over his head. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one sticking out. Yeah, he's been reluctantly thinking about perhaps cutting off his locks, but he hasn't taken the plunge. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on the poster, there just seems to be a halfling. So perhaps he's safe. Just me, then. Or just this shrew. And there's no writing on this poster either, right? It's the same, exactly the same just one. just says wanted again. Wanted. Different pose, different looking picture. Exactly no, the same. Exactly the same. I leave it there then. As you're now directly in front of the desk, you see that there's a small drawer to the right of it with a little keyhole in it. Okay, I want to try and see if there's any traps under the conch, if I pick it up, you know, if I'm going to set something off. Okay, roll investigation. There we go, natural one. But I can't roll natural one, so... 19. The conch looks free of anything. And as you're searching for the desk, for any traps, you notice that this drawer is locked, but it also doesn't seem trapped by anything. You're feeling it. You sort of sense that the the lock is rather flimsy. It's not the strongest of locks. It's just a little desk drawer lock. You get the feeling that if you can't pick it, you can probably force it open if needed. It seems to be nothing triggered to the conch. Okay, so I want to divert my attention to that drawer for a moment. I can't pick it because I don't have a lockfix. Do any of your companions have lockfix? No, I don't think any of us have ever stocked up on lockpicks. So I'm going to try and force it open. What are you doing, Shaw? I want to see what's in this drawer. Why? Are you... Is it open? No, it's locked. So how are you going to open it? I'm trying to force it open, can't you see? Perhaps we can try and pick it. With what? Well, I have some picks, although I'm not particularly good with them, but I always carry a, really? a set. Okay, okay. Then start by saying that, perhaps. Well, I didn't know what you were doing. You seem to be staring Just with give me, give me the picks, please. Are you? Do you know how to use them? Yes, of course. Okay. I know that you sort of stick both ends in and you want to try you want to you want to try in complete darkness no no like i said i just carry them and give me the picks okay here you go thank you be careful i will so obviously you haven't got proficiency in thieves tools i imagine uh no no. we're gonna roll to pick the lock but came up with a cool mechanic beyond just a simple d20 and you know add your proficiency or in this case don't add your proficiency I think you're going to like it. I know you like push your luck games. <laughs> so this was oh, this, this was a thought of with you in mind. Nice. Let's see what you have. So I'll, I'll do a very brief explanation here. I, I didn't think it would take 35 episodes to get to a lockpicking scenario, but here we are, 35 episodes in. Oh, so you actually had this prepared before this Yeah, session. for some time, just in oh, case right. we tried to pick 
any sort of lock. Mm. So you know the game Blackjack. <laughs> yeah. Got to roll 21. Roll 21, that's going to be hard. So this is similar in the sense that depending on the DC, you'll have to roll within a certain, or rather try to get to a target number. And depending on the scenario, the lock, and on the skill, in this case you don't have proficiency, so the less skill you have in on in lock picking, or the more complex the lock is, the bigger the dice is to roll. In this case, you're using Thieves' Tools, which will give you a little bonus, but you're not proficient, so you'll be rolling d d8. Alright, by the bigger the dice, you mean the actual kind of dice. Yeah, not the size of the dice. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, so I'm rolling a d8. Um, do I know what number I need to get to? 21. So yeah, you, you've got to get 21 or range around that. Okay, so I'm going to roll. <laughs> One. So, so hit me. So you insert the... <laughs> so yeah, you insert the tools. And you're getting a feel for it. You're sort of shimming it in left and right. You know, you, you can't quite fit them both in at the same time, so you're delicately moving them around. Go for it again. Five. Two roll a six. You're now feeling one of the pins slowly drop in. You're twisting your thieves' tools around, looking for that next sweet spot. Mm, I got this, I got this. Don't breathe on me, Fagin. Give, give me space, please. Three. You feel the second pin click in. Things seem to be going well, but there's still quite a bit of give in this lock. Mm-hmm. Four. Okay. We've got 13 now. Yeah. Carry yeah, on? Yeah, the lock doesn't seem to, to have given away yet. I stick my tongue out, try and get a bit closer, kind of tilt my head to the side, trying to get right in there. Six. You feel now that the you've almost got that sweet spot on that last pin. You can feel it's not going to take much more now for this lock to give way. Hmm. I stay. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't opened yet. Okay. Here you go. Seven. You're twisting your thieves tools around, holding the other pins in place. You get that spot and then it just slips past. Bring it back around again. Unlocks. Hmm. See, Haven. I still got it. And I hand him back the thieves tools. You seem pretty handy with that. Yes, it's my first ever lock I've picked, <laughs> actually. But yes, I, I like I like it. It's thrilling, yes. Okay, let's see what's in here. And I pull the drawer open. You find inside, amongst, you know, a quill and inks, bits of parchment, you do find what appears to be a letter written in Orkish. Oh, well, as we all know, I'm fluent in Orkish now, with my Orkish dictionary. So let me try and decipher this. Fluent is a stretch, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You're looking through, you know, thumbing through your dictionary. A couple of the words seem to strike out at you. You've seen this before. As you're looking at it, you remember this map that you found in the manse. You pull it out, you look at it, and where the, the picture of a stone circle is, you do notice these words that match up. You're quickly thumbing through your dictionary. You realize that it says, Circle of Thunder. I mean, how long do you want to spend here? trying to decipher the rest of this letter. It's not a very long letter. It might take you about 20 minutes or so. You know, you're looking word for word. You're not really fluent in Orkish. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to take 20 minutes. Perhaps a few more, maybe a minute or two, and, and stash it in my pouch. I want to kind of get 
two letters from the start, the middle and the end. Okay. So you spend a quick moment flicking through you looking for for a couple of words at the beginning. You see that the first two words are thank you, Moesco. You carry on looking for you'd already deciphered the circle of thunder. You manage to see the word cleric. And then the last two words you decipher as to Gothrock. Hmm, yes. This seems to be the orcs from the Circle of Thunder back in the Neverwinter Woods dealing with Moesco directly. I'm gonna keep this letter. Obviously, Moesco is expecting Shrew as he also has a very crude drawing of myself. Put my hand on the conch. Nothing happens, you just feel the cool touch of the shell. I pick it up. Can I inspect it? See if I see anything of note? Yeah. Eleven. Doesn't seem to be anything particularly special about this, but you do feel a magical aura coming from it. And you recall that your friend Sebastian had told you that this had been his master's spellcasting focus. Well, this conch does appear to be magical in nature, so I believe we have found one of the items we came in here looking for. Let's move on. So you make your way back through this door. You stood at the foot of these stairs. You can hear here the echoing of that pulsating heart. You're staring your way up this spiral staircase, which you can see extends about 60 feet up. Are you right or left-handed, Fabian? I'm right-handed. Hmm. This staircase suits us, then. Hopefully Moesco is not left-handed, then. Hmm. We'll see. Are we heading up? Yes, yes, let's... Let's continue. In what order are you going? Well, I think I'm going to have to go first because Fabian obviously can't see anything. Keep Fabian in the middle and Fen at the back. Okay. So do I see any, like, torches that have been kind of put out or there's nothing, like, no lighting whatsoever? There are some brazes on the wall. That no, they're not lit. lit. No. So you begin to make your way up this spiral staircase carefully. You start twisting round. You've gone up what seems to be about 20 feet. You suddenly feel this click give way beneath your feet as one of the stairs sinks below you. I'm going to need all of you to give me a dexterity saving throw. Oh no. <laughs> this is that Mansalor again. That's a 21 for Shrew. Okay. That's a 15 for Fabian. 14 plus 1. And unfortunately, that's a 1 for Fenner. A natural 1? Yep. Actually, I'm going to ask Fabian to roll with disadvantage because he can't see shit. Okay, that's fair. Well then, that's a natural one too. Two natural ones in a row? Yep. So as you feel this click and the stair give way underneath you, you hear this scraping of stone and suddenly the stairway turns before your eyes into this perfectly smooth slide. Shrew is quick enough to grab onto the, the banister on the side. Fen and Fabian have no idea what's coming at them, and suddenly their feet give way from underneath them. Hold on! They fall! You hear this thump, this noise echoing throughout this stairwell. They're tumbling head over heels, sliding down. They each take seven bludgeoning damage. Except Fenna doesn't, because she's immune to it. True. She gets winded at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, 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 True? True. This entire stairway is like this massive helter-skelter slide now. Perfectly smooth. This is now, like, difficult terrain. You're going to have to hold onto the side and pull yourselves up. Fabian's lying on a heap on the floor, 
holding his ribs out of breath. He's taken seven damage. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm up here. Keep your voices down. I'm holding on to the banister. Well, I think any any element of surprise we had, I think, is gone. Oh, what the hell happened there? I think you stepped on a trap, Fabian. Me? Yes, you You were the first one to slide down and then push Fenner down. Yes, yes. Anyway, get up here as, as soon as you can. I'm holding on. Quite literally. Give me a roll for deception. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, hook, lane, and sinker. 19. Well, it's only because I can't fucking see. I told you it'd be trouble if I can't see. <sighs> now, now, don't beat yourself too much about it. It happens to the best of us. It'll be fine. Just uh, pull yourself up. So you guys holding onto the side of the banister. Start pulling yourselves up. As your feet start slipping and sliding. You eventually make your way up 20 feet, 40 feet. And you have this small landing. You can see that the stairwell continues to wind up. But you see this door to your right hand side. Just being left slightly ajar. Can I look for the gap? You can. You see that this is looking out onto the roof of that square part of the building. Or rather that rectangular part of the building. Is where Fenna pointed out before that she saw the figure? It is. Hoo hoo hoo. And it is where you'd seen that rod as well. Oh yeah, the rod. Hmm. Let's go this way. Be, be careful. This is where we saw Moesco. Or who we think was Moesco. Be very careful. Are you doing this stealthily? Well, if there's a point to it. But, <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to try and stealth out. So you slowly push this door open, trying to be as quiet as you can, but at the same time wary of the rockers that has just occurred, knowing that any possibility of your approach, having gone undetected, has now surely alerted whoever's in here. As you step out onto this rooftop terrace, you see the tower looming above you, with the green beacon pulsating out over the, the dark seas, the rumbling of thunder getting louder and louder. You're looking over towards the cliffs where you'd fought the harpies. To your immediate left, you see that the terrace extends about 20 feet from where you are. Towards the right, you see a large imposing structure standing several feet tall and about 10 feet wide. So you're focusing your eyes on it with your goggles of the night. It appears to you to have been carved out of rough-hewn stone. It's about 35 feet away from you. You can see that there's a metal rod descending from several feet in the air down into the stone splitting into two as the storm clouds continue to rumble in the sky above you you see the occasional streak of lightning splitting the sky each one getting closer to this rod what are shrew shrubberies doing or should i say bernie's bonsais is the metal rod beyond our reach is it very high up no it's embedded into the, the stone but if we walk up to it would we be able to reach to it yeah, it's embedded into the stone, reaching up several feet into the sky. All right, we want to walk up to that structure there with the metal rod. So similar to what we did in the Dragon's Barrow, where we got a piece of rope and flung it across the rock and then pulled it down. I want to do the same with this rod. I want to pull it down. Okay, before you do that, though, you're now close enough to see that this stone slab is encrusted in salt seaweed and barnacles as well. You're now close enough to see this appears to be an altar decorated with rough carvings depicting lightning bolts, thunderclouds and crashing waves. 
Your gaze is then drawn to the center of the altar, where you see a depression in the stone, which appears to be designed to hold offerings. But lying there in the middle, you notice that sits a circular iron shield with an outer brass band and an intricate engraving of what appears to you to be some sort of tree. As you study this altar, you start to hear and feel now the falling of rain, light at first, slowly getting heavier as the clouds start to rumble and thunder erupts. Now turns to a downpour. Yeah, I want to proceed to pull that shit down. Give me a religion check with advantage. Eleven. The carvings on the stone altar, you recognize without a doubt, are the markings of Talos. And this strange, almost tree, you realize now is not a tree, but what looks like a four-leaf clover. You recognize having seen this symbol on the Shrine of Luck in Fandalin. You throw your rope up onto this rod. It's not too difficult for you to hoop the, the rope round. I can ask you to roll me a d20. Just true? Yeah, just a straight up d20. 13. Okay. You see that the lightning bolts are getting closer and closer to this rod. You've managed to get your rope around this rod. I assume you you want to start pulling. Yeah, we want to bring it down. What's Shrew's passive perception, please? 13. Okay, so as true shrubberies are pulling at this at this metal rod, how are you guys set up whilst you're pulling this? Is Shrew set at the front? Yeah, Shrew at the front, Fabian in the middle, Fen at the back. So all three of you are pulling out this rope? Yeah, like a tug of war. As you start pulling at it through the rockers of the thunder and the lightning and the crashing waves, Unhandle that sacred altar! I'm going to need Fenner. To give me a dexterity saving throw. Look here. That's a total of seven. She does not make it. I yeah, don't think. Safe to say she does not make it. So you hear this crackle of magic. And you suddenly hear Fenner. Oh, 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 oh. And she takes 24 lightning damage. Hush. Fenner is almost down. I'm going to need everybody to roll for initiative. Okay, Shrew first. Total of 16, Fena, 11, and Fabian, 3. As you look round behind you, you see this towering figure standing at over 6 feet tall, weighing well over 200 pounds. You can see he's got broad shoulders and a muscular frame which betray his orcish heritage. Yet from what you can see, his skin and face seem pale, almost as if the life has been drained away from him. You can see that his skin is rough and weathered, as though he's spent many years exposed to the elements, and almost as if it were decomposing. His hair wild and unruly mass of thick, dark curls that seem to have a life of their own, dancing freely in the storm's wind. You can see, at this distance even, that his eyes seem to glow within a fire, almost sparks. He's wearing this heavy cloak, and around his neck you can see a pendant made of silver, the shape of a lightning bolt. On his arms you also see these claw-like appendages, these weapons that you've seen the other half-orcs wear. But this one looks a little different. He seems to be wearing armor. Give me a quick nature check. Nine. Nine? At this distance you can't quite tell what this armor is, but it looks strange to you. It almost looks like it's got these circles on them. Almost look like suction cups. You see him stepping almost as if he's come out from the very stone wall 
beside the doors of of this tower. You see him gesticulating with his hands and his ears and chanting these incantations. You hear him chuckle. <laughs> First the cleric, <laughs> now the halfling. And you see appearing before you what you recognize only too well as a moonbeam being cast down upon you. As he does that now, you see and notice that he seems to be hovering a couple of feet off the ground as the storm rages around him. And with that, it's over to Shrew. We need you to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. As you're starting your turn in the moonlight. 13. And I'm going to need you to roll that actually with disadvantage. 13. You save. That's 11 damage halved to 5. I receive the damage, yeah? Yeah. All right, I move out of that shitty moonbeam and I want to cast Hold Person on Mo. Okay. I can choose a humanoid within range, 60 feet, and the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be paralyzed for the duration of one minute. At the end of each of its turns, it can make another wisdom saving throw and on a success, the spell ends. Okay. Here we go. Ooh, that's a natural 17 plus two. Yeah, saves. Does it do anything on a save or just... No, no. Okay. Shrew doing anything with his bonus action? Is he moving? Is there space behind the altar? Yeah, there's five feet behind the altar. I'm hiding behind the altar. Okay. Thought we were going to bear it up. Strange not to see Shrew turning into bear. Yeah, not quite yet. If Shrew's not doing anything else, then it's over to Fenner, who's sort of propping herself up with one hand as she's almost down on both knees. She took a big hit. Fena is going to drink the potion of greater healing she's holding. Okay, is she using that as her action to take the full benefits, or is she rolling for it as a bonus? As her action. Okay, so as she's using her action, as we said in the last fight, if you use your bonus, you'll roll for it. But if you take your full action to drink it carefully, we're doing full, full benefits. So Fena regains 20 hit points. Nice, not bad. She's almost negated the full damage she took. And she will do as Shrewd and hide behind the altar. It's over to Fabian. Can Fabian see because of the light of the lightning and, you know, the outside here where we have the green light of the lighthouse? Yeah, I'd say he can see enough to, to fight. Is there space for Fabian to hide as well? Not quite. He can peek behind. Uh, just to be clear, you bo- your guys are crouching down behind this. Behind tower. the altar, yeah. Uh, Fabian could just about perhaps hide a little bit on the side but he won't get any benefits of of partial cover okay Fabian is moving there anyway reading his shield and his sword what's his trigger if moesco walks up to us within hitting range he wants to try and strike him so it's over to moesco you see the moonbeam in front of you dissipate and in its place appears this ethereal spirit-like boar atop the altar. So this spectral boar focuses its eyes on these three creatures in front of it before settling on Fen in the middle. He's going to take an attack at her. All right, Fabian is going to use his defender reaction and as Fenna is five feet away from him, he's going to make the boar roll with disadvantage to it. Oh, with disadvantage is a total of 13, which just just makes Fenner's AC even with her cloak. So Fenner takes a total of five piercing magical damage. With that, it's over to Shrew. 
Shrew's gonna stand up momentarily and cast Poison Spray on the boar in front of me. Okay. It must make a constitution saving throw. 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 doesn't save. So that's 2d12 of damage as I'm level 5 now. That's a total of 16 damage. Ooh, nice. The boar still looks like he's standing firm though. Shrew doing anything else? I'm crouching back down behind the altar. Okay, so that's over to Fenner. Fenner's gonna take a small potion of healing, the normal one, as a bonus action. Okay, that's a three and a one, four plus two, six total healing. Okay, and for her action? For her action, she's gonna cast Sacred Flame, the cantrip, on this boar. Okay, that's a 17, and I'm gonna retire a little ready there. Gonna move over to Little Bluey. <laughs> um, yeah, saves. Is Fenner doing anything else? Crouching behind the altar. Favian. Favian is going to strike with his sword at the boar. 17 to hit. Yeah, that hits. 12 damage total. The boar starts to flicker in and out of existence. And just as it appears to be gone, it flickers back ever so faintly. Is Fabian doing anything else? Fabian is staying there. So it's over to Moesco. You see him outstretching his hand, pointing at Fabian, the only one he can see. A shrew and Fenner are hiding behind this altar. I'm going to need Fabian to take a dexterity saving throw. Total of six. That's a total of 16 damage to Fabian. As this lightning bolt strikes him in the center of the chest, we see Moesco there laughing as he hovers about 10 feet off the ground, his hair dancing in the wind. It's now over to this boar and carries on concentrating on Fenner. So 14 plus 4, which hits. Fenner takes 6 piercing damage. Mm. And back to 9. Okay. As Fenner takes that hit, you see this crackle of lightning break through the sky, striking the, the altar. And you see almost like this magical current running down the rod and into the stone. It's over to Shrew. I want to use my bonus action to turn into Bear Shrew. <laughs> and bite at the boar. Total of 10. Does not hit. I'm going to follow up with my claws. 23. That definitely hits. That's a total of 13. Having missed with your bite, you follow up with your claws. You feel them make contact and then suddenly this, this creature disappears from in front of you. Okay, I'm going to use my movement to charge at Moesco. Is Shrew doing anything else? No, I can't right now. I'm just staying there. Okay, then it's over to Fenner. Fenner's going to cast Cure Wounds on Fabian. Okay, so that's 1d8 plus 3. 7 total healing. Fabian's back to having taken 9 points of damage. Okay. Is Fenner doing anything else? She's going to move slightly to the right where Shrew was before. So to her left, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Leave a little room for Fabian. Okay, so it's Fabian then. Okay, Fabian wants to run towards the rope that we dropped, grab it, and go back behind the altar beside Fenner and try to pull the rod down from there. Okay, give me a strength check then. Athletics. That's a total of 22. So yeah, he starts pulling down on this. He starts feeling that it gives way and starts bending down towards him. It's at about a 30 degree angle at the moment. Okay. Is Fabian doing anything else? No, he's staying there uh, with the ropes in hand. So it's over to Moesco. The rain's 
pouring down on you guys. You're hearing thunder up above, but suddenly you hear this thunder erupting from Moesco himself, which you recognize as Shrew being a thunder wave. I'm going to need you to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. Ten total. Okay, so this thunderous boom erupts. A shrew takes nine thunder damage and is pushed ten feet away. As this is happening, another bolt of lightning strikes the the now bent rod. And with that, it's actually over to shrew now. Okay, from where I am, do I have my kind of uh, directions right? Like, was the sea where I saw those shipwrecks? Is that below us? Directly below us? I mean, it depends which direction you're looking in. Directly in front of you, there will be a cliff that goes down, eventually reaching the sea. And then behind the altar as well. Actually, behind the altar. You would have peeked over. You would have seen that you were directly above the harpy's nest. Okay, I want to go up to Mo and try and grapple him. Okay, that's 17. It's a close one. 15 total. So I win. Yeah. All right. For once. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. So you're holding his ankle at the moment. Okay, I want to slowly, if I can, move him towards the edge of the terrace that was above where we came in. And yeah. This was, what, 40 feet high? Yeah, 40 feet up. And with your half movement, because you're dragging him, it's just enough to get to the edge. Okay, I want to try and jump off it in a way that I can position him maybe as we fall down so that he hits the the ground below okay as you've used your action to actually grapple him i'd say that because you're not just jumping off with him and you physically want to try to position yourself that's going to take an action okay then i stay there on that note then it's over to fena and fena is gonna fire a guiding bolt at moesco as he's hanging off the edge okay she's gonna cast it as a second level spell slot that's her last second level spell slot you roll to hit it's now or never. 21 to it. Yeah, that definitely hits. Okay, that's 5d6. That's a total of 14 damage. 14. Quite a big hit. Moesco doesn't seem phased by it at all. He's being held by his ankles here as he takes the brunt of it, hovering slightly above this giant bear that's grabbed him. Is Fender doing anything else? No, she's staying put. Then it's over to Favion. He's going to carry on trying to pull that thing down okay give me another athletics check then 16 total Fabian starts tensing his muscles and pulling bending his knees and squatting down the rod starts to give way again it's now at 90 degrees looks like one big pull more I'll snap off is Fabian doing anything else no he's staying there then it's over to Moesco he's looking down at the spare grabbing him by the ankles he points his finger at him again you see this crackling energy coming out of it. So yeah, I need Shrew to give me a dexterity saving throw. That's a total of 14. 14, you say, just fails. Damn. That's a total of 22 damage on Shrew, Bear Shrew. Oof. Okay. And again, as this crackle of energy goes through Shrew, another bolt of lightning hits the now almost destroyed rod that's at 90 degrees you see this energy again being drawn into the stone altar so it's a shrew i'm gonna try and jump off as i mentioned before in a way that moesco takes a brunt of the fall 
Okay, I'm going to ask you for a wrestle check. <laughs> so yeah, give me an athletics check with advantage because of your brute size. Total of eight. What a time for little Bluey to run that one. <laughs> <laughs> Double damage. <laughs> so yeah, as you throw yourself off, grabbing Moesco by the ankles, he seems shocked at what's just happened. As you position yourself for Moesco to slam into the ground as you land beside him. So Moesco will take 46 bludgeoning damage as you guys fall down. True, as, as you know at this point, is immune to bludgeoning damage. That's a total of 9 damage to Moesco. The fuck are you doing, Shrew? Shrew! Is Bear Shrew doing anything else? Yeah, I want to use my ability from Combat Wild Shape where you can use a spell slot to regain a 1d8 hit points per level of the spell slot. I'm going to use a level 1 spell slot, so that's 1d8 for healing. Okay. Four. I want to keep dragging him down the cliffside or the causeway where we've landed. Okay. Towards the water. So that takes you to about 20 feet away from the water. Okay. That's my turn there. Okay, so then it's over to Fenner. Fenner is going to get out from behind the shrine and look over the edge of the terrace where we just jumped down. Okay. Does she see us? Yeah, she does. She's going to cast Guiding Bolt as a level 1 spell slot. Try and hit Moesco. 22 hit? Yeah, that hits. That's a total of 12 damage. Okay. Is Fenna doing anything else? She wants to move 5 feet back away from the ledge. Okay. If she's not doing anything else, then it's over to Fabian. Fabian is continuing with the struggle of pulling that pylon thing down. 15 total. He's pulling down now on this rod which is giving way. And as he's pulling down, he anchors himself on the edge of the altar with his feet. Starts pulling it down. Eventually snaps off. And he feels this energy surge through his body. Almost immediately after putting his feet on the altar to pull down it. And as he's holding the rope, he's seeing these electrical sparks fly from his fingertips. Fabian's become charged with the power of the storm. <laughs> what? He's now been blessed with the charm of the storm and he can cast lightning bolt <laughs> at level three Whoa. as an action Whoa. three times before Whoa. it vanishes from him. <laughs> and it vanishes for good from him. Oh, that's epic. Nice. Nice one, Fabian. Faven's looking down at his hands and he's seeing these wisps of electrical energy coming out of his fingertips. Is Fabian doing anything else on his turn? After having dealt with the altar and the pylon thing, he's going to walk up next to Fenner. Fenner looks over at him and realizes that in his eyes are these little sparks, almost like lightning bolts, breaking through his eyes. Fabian, what's happened to you? Is Fabian doing anything else? Just looking over at Shrew dragging off Mo down the side of the causeway but no he's staying there so Moesco now is staring down at True who's dragging him towards the water he's going to attack him with these claws that he's got the first one 25 to hit <laughs> yeah it hits and the second one 15 to hit yeah it hits so the first attack you feel you feel five piercing damage and whilst you expect it as it makes contact to not hurt you you realize that this one does in addition to that you also take two thunder damage and as that happens i pop into shrew as you pop back into shrew the second 
attack deals you six piercing damage. Okay. And an additional four thunder damage. All right. Right. So question here. I was a bear. I was obviously dragging him along his feet. As Shrew now, is this like a helium balloon where <laughs> I'm kind of dangling <laughs> off his feet? Well, no, because he, he was at the floor, so you're sort of dragging him. I'll say that as you had slammed into the ground and you started dragging him, you're now dragging him by his hand. All right, so I want to try and drag him into the water. Okay, so you're now back to your halfling movement, which yeah. is 25. Yeah. So at half speed, that takes you 12 and a half feet. We'll round it down, so 12 feet towards the, the water. You're both stood there now with the water around your ankles. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to stay there. With my ankle feet in the water, right? Yeah. So it's a Fenner. Fenner is going to run up to the edge and jump down as well. Knowing that last time she fell from high, she didn't take any damage either. Okay, so yeah, she leaps down. Fenner, what are you doing? Oh, boom. She lands on her feet. (laughs) She's going to continue her movement towards the edge of the causeway before it slopes down towards where Shrew went. Okay. And from there, she's going to try and cast Guiding Bolt again as a level one to try and hit Mo. Okay. 24. That misses. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Of course it hits. (laughs) That's another 46. That's a total of 18 damage. Okay, so he takes that damage and he turns his head over to look at Fenner, grimacing as he does. Oh, it's a Fabian. (laughs) Fabian confused with his newfound powers and... Even more confused by why everyone is jumping down the side of the building. He's going to try and lift a finger and aim it at Moesco from where he is. Like a finger gun? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Does he get a feel for it? Does he think he can reach? Yeah, he can definitely reach. Then he goes for it. Sort of aiming there, his eye, one eye closed, tongue hanging out. I say he can just about work out where Moesco is, bearing in mind that there's a heavy downpour of rain and there's... There's no natural light. The beacon of the lighthouse is obviously blinking out towards sea, which is in the complete opposite direction from where you guys are. So yeah, he saves, but that still means he takes half damage. Which is how much? 8d6. Okay, so I can roll for it for once, <laughs> yeah. yeah? I'm going to roll them all at once. The 8. That's three ones for now, so 3. And 3 is 6, and 6 is 12. It's a total of 23 damage. Not too shabby, Fabian. Halved, obviously. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> so 20, 23 halved is then 11. Moesco's looking a little winded now. Good. So with that, it would be over to Moesco. You hear this raucous coming from the skies above. And you see these two harpies sort of observing, perhaps waiting to see what happens and whether they can scavenge a meal. Damn harpies. You're gonna come back to bite us in the arse. So with that, it's over to Moesco. So as you're dragging and wrestling with Moesco, now in the water with your ankles in it, you're getting a good glimpse of him up close. You notice that the armor that he's wearing is in fact made of octopus hide. You catch a glimpse under his armor. You see a huge cavity in the middle of his chest where his heart should be. And emanating from deep within this cavity, you hear this thunderous wave again. I'm going to need True to give me a constitution saving throw. Total of 20. Oh, that saves. Good. Half damage. 
and I'm not pushed back. Okay, so Shu takes eight thunder damage. Okay. Okay, that's the end of Moisca's turn. Okay, as my movement, I want to drag him further into the water. You're able to go another 12 feet into the water. So how far does the water reach us about around this point? I'll say on Shu, it's almost up to his neck now. Moesco is like up to his bottom of his chest. All right. I want, with my bonus action, turn into a hunter shark. Okay, so yeah, you've turned into a new creature now. Mm. Does the, this hunter shark also have a red mustache? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining, uh, I don't know if our viewers will remember, and I'm probably showing our age here now. Sharky but you remember Sharky? Yeah, you knew where I was going. <laughs> I think there was a, an episode where he has this fake mustache. Yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, kind of like that. Awesome. So yeah, as you turn into a shark because you've got fins and, and no hands anymore, the grapple's gone. You're now thrashing around in the water. What's Shrew doing? What's Shark Shrew doing? I'm going to try and grapple him with my mouth this time. See if I can catch him. 21. <sighs> yeah, 12. Shocked seeing this shark appear from where this small halfling was. A shark shrew thrashes, trying to grab Moesco with his mouth. Moesco manages to twist and turn in the water, dodging out of the way. Fena is going to use her last spell slot to try and hit with a guiding bolt again. Okay, roll to hit. She hits again with a 22. Nice. For a total of 16 damage. Moesco looks seriously hurt now. His breathing's getting heavier and heavier. He looks pretty... in a pretty rough shape. Is Fenner doing anything else? Can she get out of line of sight from Moesco? She can go around the building or she can actually go into in through the front door. She's going to go in through the front door and hide behind the door. Oh, it's a Fabian. Fabian is kind of blowing the steam off his fingers and is aiming his finger at Moesco once more. So this is a deck saving throw. Moesco has failed. <laughs> what did he roll? An eight. Oof. Nice. Okay, so is that the full brunt of a 8d6? That is the full brunt of 8d6. And that is Fabian's second use of the charm. He's got one left. For the dragon. Now I know how you feel. Bit of your own medicine. How does, yeah. how does that feel? Feels great. How do you see this? How does... 8d6 on one hand feels. Feels amazing. <laughs> That's a total of 28 damage. Ouch. Payback, bitch. Okay, so Fabian's squinting for the heavy rain. His hood completely soaked, as is his hair at this point. He's sort of with one hand brushing the wet hair from his forehead and from his eyes. He's got his fingers in a gun-like stance again. He's trying to locate Moesco. Seeing this thrashing shark there now. And with each pulse of the green beacon, he sort of catches a little glimpse of him. He's concentrating, getting the timing right. And this crackle of electrical energy shoots out from his finger, breaking across the dark sky, striking Moesco square in the forehead. The shrew sees his... Skull almost, you know, like the cartoons, because it's flickering. Hmm. Almost magnified by the fact he's in the water now. And his head explodes. And his body starts sinking down to the bottom of the, the ocean. That's the end of the battle. Can I, as a shark, quickly grab the body so that it doesn't 
float away or anything. Yeah. Spit it onto the rocks. And I'm gonna change back into Shrew. Okay. <laughs> Fabian, Fenner, you guys okay? Yes, I've got the strange power coming out of my fingertips. Hmm. I'm I... like you now. I I have magic. Wow. I was that you then? The one with all those lightning bolts? Yes. I don't know. I I perhaps I was given the powers by breaking that pole. You managed to break it then. Good job. Snapped it clean off. Wait there. I'm I'm gonna check Oesko's body for anything, and I'll be right up. Have you seen Fenna? Is she with you? I saw Fenna dart back inside into the to the building. Good, good. She she must be safe then. I quickly want to search Moisko's body. Yeah, the only thing you find on him of any note is that silver pendant or a lightning bolt. As I find a greater potion of healing. Okay, so I take the pendant as well and I wear it. And you also find a key mm, to the drawer. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps not. Okay, I keep the key. I wear the chain to to add to my collection, and I dump Moesco's body into the water so that the sharks can have some dinner. Okay, what are sure Shrubby's doing? So on my way up, I want to meet with Fabian again. On my way up, I want to test the key on the drawer just quickly to see if the key indeed belongs to the drawer. It does not. It's a bigger key. Okay, so I carry on up, uh, pull myself across the balustrade with the stairs that turned into a slide. I imagine I found Fen on the way. Yeah. So we both go together. So it's a bit harder for you now that you're soaking wet between the rain and the the swim you've been for. But you manage to pull yourself up eventually. You're now at the roof with Fabian. Fabian, did you get to check the the shield that was on that altar? No, no, I... <laughs> oh, otherwise occupied. Mm, yes, yes. I walk up to the altar. I want to pick up the shield. Okay. Do I detect any magic on it? No. Okay, I just want to hang on to it. Perhaps we should rest inside for a bit, lick our wounds, and continue up. Do we still hear the thumping of the heart? Yes, you do. And the green beacon still lit. Mm, it's slightly worrying that... This heartbeat is still going, and I did notice that Moeskod didn't have a heart himself. There seems to be some connection there. Perhaps the beating heart was once Moeskos, and this is what perhaps is powering this unnatural lighthouse. Anyway, let's make a quick rest, and let's go. keep going up, let's get to the bottom of this. So are we resting first, or are we going up to see what this beacon is? Let's just rest first. I don't think we can take another fight right now. Quick rest. So you guys are taking a short rest? Yes. I assume inside. Inside. Sheltered away from the... The elements, yeah. The elements, yeah. And I like to roll some hit dice as well, if I'm able to. Yeah, you can. Yeah, roll for for your hit die. Just to remind you, Fenna and Fabian currently have taken nine hit points each of damage. Yeah, as we have full hit dice now after all these nights rest I'd say that they could roll one as well okay are you gonna roll for them yeah okay okay so one on my first one plus two constitution a three plus two so five that's two hit dice out of my five I'm gonna use a third one that's a two plus two four I'm gonna use my fourth hit dice that's better seven plus two nine 
and I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna keep one just in case. Okay, for Fen, I'm gonna roll once. That's a seven. Yeah, so Fen is back to full health. And for Fabian, that's a d8 as well. It's another seven plus his constitution. Yeah, Fabian's back to full health as well. Good. I also recover my wild shapes. Nice. After the short rest. And Fabian, I think, he recovers his second wind. Yeah. And all that. We are ready to get going again after having dried off a bit and rested. So are you staying beyond the full hour that's needed as a minimum for a short rest? No, no. As quick as we can, we get up and leave towards the top again. And during this rest, are you trying to decipher the rest of that letter? Yeah, if I'm able to, whilst I'm resting, yeah. So whilst you're licking your wounds, drying yourself a bit off from the drenching that you've got between the actual rain and the, the swim you went for with Moesco, you're going through your dictionary and this letter that you found. You're concentrating, almost put into a trance by the thumping of this heartbeat-like noise that you've been hearing. And you're able to decipher word for word as you start cross-referencing the words that you're seeing in your Oxford Common Dictionary. You know that this is a letter from a so-called priestess, Ferrelai Stormsworn, and that it's thanking Moesco for his great work and telling him that Talos must surely be pleased with the gifts he has given him. She also says that she's heard of this cleric that's been captured and that she's to be taken to the Circle of Thunder where she will serve as a great offering to Gothrock. And that's all the letter says. As you hear in the rain continue to fall down on the roof above you, the howling of the wind, the sounds of the thunder seem to be easing off. And that's what we're going to call a session. More questions unanswered. Is Sister Garel still here? Has she been taken to the Stone of Thunder? Will we ever remove our curses? Or mm. shall we turn into fullware rats? So we have around six days left after we sleep. Yeah, that's true. Perhaps it's something you can ask your new friend. See if he's seen anything. Sebastian, you mean? Sebastian. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, we'll see next episode. Well, let's see what's up here first. Anyway, if you want to continue hearing us talk about this episode, make sure to subscribe to one of our membership tiers at Buy Me A Coffee, where you'll tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day of release, you will get a behind the scenes where we talk about what happened, why we did certain things, and just go over the episode. And you can find our Buy Me A Coffee page by visiting our lovely website at www.i2td dot com good access to our item shop there and our blog we've got some some blog posts up already and there's some more are coming yeah that's good it's a good way to get us to know better there'll be some blogs about us some blogs about the games we play bit of everything so make sure to check it out also very very important if you can't donate or you can't be a member not to worry you can also help us by leaving a review and a comment in your podcast player of choice. That helps us tremendously and we are very grateful for it. So thank you. So today we've got a promo from our new friends at Dice of Thunder. Going to roll their ad now. Give them a listen, give them a follow and visit their links on the description in this episode. Hey, fellow podcast listener. I'm Scott Hoffman and you're listening to the trailer for the Dice of Thunder podcast. 
Our show is an actual play podcast where I, along with my fellow cast members, play Pathfinder, the tabletop role-playing game published by Paizo Inc. The setting of our game is the fantasy world of Galarian, where we use a combination of officially published Pathfinder content and our own, often improvised, homebrew elements. We have horrible monsters. Oh, look at it. It's a rust ooze. A rust ooze. Delightful NPCs. What's his name again? Gomak. 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 G-O-M-A-K. Colorful villains. I, Dewey Daystar, will see an end to your toxic ways. And even mushroom worship? And they start going, (laughs) 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 Guys, I didn't have this much of a plan figured (laughs) out. (laughs) (laughs) But the story of our show follows four adventurers and their exploits in the city of Alkenstar. Our cast is made up of experienced role players and folks who are new to the game, so there's something for everyone to relate to. Also, our show is geared towards listeners of all ages and backgrounds, because we want you to feel comfortable sharing us with your friends and your family. Our goal for this podcast is to provide an entertaining story for you to add as part of your weekly routine. We release a new episode every Monday, so it's easy to slot us into your week. Additionally, our podcast follows a narrative format and is very bingeable. If you're listening for the first time, we recommend you start with episode one to follow the story of all our amazing characters as they grow and change. We've made this show fully for your entertainment. We want you to feel like you're in the room with us. We want you to laugh with us, to cry with us, to feel joy and anger as you experience the storytelling that goes hand in hand with playing Pathfinder. Now, all of our episodes are recorded in our podcast studio where we mix in music, sound effects, and story elements to immerse you in the role-playing game experience with us. Now, now I'm all hyped up. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dice of Thunder and start listening today. Welcome to the show, Thunder Buddy. Enjoy. Yeah, so check them out, like Nick said before. Thunder Buddies. I like the ring. I like the ring of that. Thunder Buddies. Yeah. I mean, it's very appropriate after today's episode. I promise that that was not done on purpose. <laughs> no. So yeah, you'll find the links in the description. Last week we started, or rather last recording session, because we've been trying to catch up on, on our cushion. We started tweeting at the beginning of our recording sessions asking for questions, and we've got a question from Germs. Yeah, but one second. I'd just like to say I'm a bit disappointed. Only one question. Come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You can do a bit better. Yeah, throw us some more questions. Or challenges, like last week's. Yeah, I won with some revenge. (laughs) So yeah, Germs is asking, so Big Boy has been allowed out of his dice jail after this week's episode? Yeah, he he has. Well, I think it was a very short stay at the dice jail. I think I moved him in there for some reason but then I took him out I mean it's big boy he he doesn't he doesn't deserve the dice jail he can roll bad all year long he's, he's big boy <laughs> alrighty then and that takes us on to the end of the episode club the last one standing you know what to do we're going to give you a password and we're going to know which one of you have the highest constitution to get through all of this <laughs> Al and I are certainly sleep drunk at this point. Yeah, it's yeah, another it's getting, another all nighter. Yeah, it's getting late, two a.m. late. So yeah, use the password in your comments on Twitter or Discord. And today's password is Jawsome. 
It's going to be a hard one to use because it's not even a word. But well, awesome. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a pun on, on yeah, awesome. So yeah, Jawsome. 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 For obvious reasons yeah. today. Jaws. Although I never, I was unable to bite. No. Jaws without a bite. <laughs> Is it safe to get back in the water? Not anymore. With more stinking up the place. <laughs> Shark bait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally lost. <laughs> he's shockmate. Oh, he's shockmate. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. He's shockmate. Yeah, we're we're swining now. If you want to know what swining means, you got to become a biom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically this. Hope you enjoyed tonight's episode, and we hope to see you again next week as we delve into, into the dungeon. dungeon. the sound of the wind of the world through the sound of the wind well don't mind me chipping in here boy i don't know what's happened but since you call me sebastian my uh, accent seems to have changed Fen as a fat pheasant. <laughs> we're fucked. 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 We're fucked.